Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the Currency Exchange International fourth quarter and fiscal year end earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Bill Matulis. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Stephanie, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Currency Exchange International Conference Call to discuss the financial results for the fourth quarter and fiscal year ending October 31st, 2020. Before we begin, please let me remind you that during the course of this conference call, Currency Exchange International's management may make forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on current expectations that are subject to risks and uncertainties that may cause actual results to differ materially from expectations. These risks are outlined in the risk factors section of our listing statement filed on CDAR. Any forward-looking statements should be considered in light of these factors. Please also note that any outlook we present is as of today, and management does not undertake any obligation to revise any forward-looking statements into the future. With us on the call today are President and Chief Executive Officer Randolph Finna and Chief Financial Officer Stephen Fitzpatrick. Stephen will begin with his brief comments on the fourth quarter and the year-end financial results, followed by his latest perspective on the company's operations. Randolph will then comment on the bank's performance, along with sales and business activity initiatives, after which we'll open it up to your questions. For those of you who happen to leave the call before its conclusion, please be advised that this conference call will be recorded and archived on the Currency Exchange International Investor Relations website page. With that, I'll turn the call over to Stephen. Stephen, please go ahead. Thanks, Bill. And thank you, everyone, for, for joining us today. So I'm going, I'll give you a brief overview of the results for the, most, for the fourth quarter of 2020. Uh, as well as for the 2020 fiscal year. And when I'm doing that, I'll be, as I usually do, I'll be making comparisons to 2019, not because the years are directly comparable. Um, obviously, the impact of the pandemic on our business this year makes it not a, a normal year. But uh, the purpose of making those comparisons is really just to give you a picture of how, how the business has been affected. Um, and then when Randolph speaks, he'll talk about uh, our strategy and how, we're, how we see ourselves um, moving forward from here. Um, these results uh, today are presented in U.S. dollars, unless I, unless I indicate uh, otherwise. Um, and ordinarily, uh, CXI is typically seasonal. Uh, it's a business, seasonal business. It coincides with the uh, peak spring and summer travel seasons in North America. So usually the first and second quarters are slow and the third and fourth are much stronger. Um, however, as I mentioned a minute ago, this was anything but a typical year. And like many businesses, uh, CXI has been significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. 
So with that said, uh, moving to Q4 and our performance. So uh, in the quarter, revenue decreased 57% uh, from to 4.9 million from 11.5 million in the same quarter last year. This really continues to reflect the unprecedented decline in travel and tourism as a direct result of measures imposed by governments to contain the spread of the, of the virus. Our banknote segment decreased 64% to 3.9 million in what is traditionally a strong quarter for CXI. In comparison to Q3, however, and I'm referring to Q3 2020, these results actually represent an improvement. Um, our revenues, banknote revenues reached a floor in July of 2020 and have improved gradually uh, month by month uh, in Q4. Entering the quarter, uh, 13 retail branches were closed uh, by quarter end and year end. We had closed 11 permanently, reducing our presence to 35 stores in 12 key U.S. markets. In addition, uh, many of CXI's banknote customers that closed or significantly scaled back their operations earlier in the year remained closed in the, in the fourth quarter. On a positive note, um, our payment segment continues to grow increasing 52% for the quarter over the prior year to $1.1 million. Payments are a function of economic activity, not travel and tourism. <clears throat> and so that, that growth really reflects uh, what was going on in the economy in the third and fourth quarters, the North American economy specifically. Uh, this segment accounted for 21% of our total revenue in Q4, uh, up from 6% last year. Uh, and, uh, and up from 18% in Q3 2020. The client base from our acquisition uh, in July contributed about 286,000 in revenue in the quarter, which was in line with, uh, with our expectations. Total operating expenses in Q4 compared with, uh, were 6.8 million, compared with 9.6 a year ago. Um, however, making a comparison requires a normalization for the impact of uh, adopting IFRS 16. So on that basis, operating expenses in Q4 would have been 7.3 million, a reduction of 2.4 or 24% from the prior year. Um, this reflects the impact of lower postage and shipping costs by $1.1 million for our banknote segment. These costs, as you know, vary with revenue. Um, but there are other cost reductions too in, in numerous other areas, the most significant of which was in salaries and, and benefits, which saw a decline of 1.1 million or 22% from a year ago. Uh, we eliminated 66 positions compared to the prior year, uh, but in context, the overall reduction was 106 positions. We grew in uh, in the first two quarters of 2020 so the difference uh, or the reductions uh, from the end of the second quarter to the end of the year were actually 106 people which was roughly 30 percent of our our workforce the third largest spending category which is legal and professional fees increased nine uh, percent to 913,000, but it, it included a one-time fee of 197,000 that relates to a strategic initiative Without that item, this category would have declined 14%, and it did decline for the year overall. Unfortunately, the reduction in operating expenses wasn't enough to offset the dramatic decline in revenue, which drove a net operating loss for the quarter of $1.9 million, as compared with a 
uh, a profit the year before, operating profit of 1.9 million. Notably, this loss is slightly lower than the Q3 2020 loss. Fortunately, uh, EBC qualified for approximately 300,000 in non-repayable government grants in the quarter, this is in Canada, uh, to subsidize wages, and that's been reported in other income in our financials. The net loss for the quarter uh, was about three and a half, $3.5 million compared to net income of 700,000 uh, in the same quarter last year. The loss was increased, however, by two significant one-time costs. First, in order to position the company for fiscal 2021, the company absorbed a $1.1 million restructuring expense, which consisted of a combination of severance payments, roughly $365,000, and lease-related write-offs connected to accelerated store closures in Q4. In addition, the company took an incremental provision of $675,000, related to our bankrupt customer, which we reported on in the previous two quarters. We had previously provided for a $1 million loss in Q2 uh, uh, on this, but we increased that to 675,000, an additional 675,000 at the end of the year, including the legal and professional amount that I mentioned earlier, the one-time cost, total one-time expenses in Q4 were $1.9 million. And uh, because a number of you have asked this in previous calls, I just wanted to say that the, the operating cash burn rate declined to $1 million in Q4, it was roughly 300,000 a month. Um, and that's for the quarter, it dropped through the quarter, which was down from a peak of 800,000 per month uh, in April and May, when we were adapting to the pandemic. So just turning now to 2020 overall, um, revenue for the year was uh, $25 million, a decrease of 40% from last year. Strong growth in the first four months of fiscal 2020 was overshadowed, you could argue overwhelmed, by a significant decline in banknote revenue since the beginning of the pandemic, which really was March, uh, March of 2020. Our core banknote business declined 45% from 2019. Payments revenue, on the other hand, grew 29%, grew 29% buoyed by the acquisition in EDC, but also by organic growth. And it grew to 14% of our revenue in 2020, uh, compared to 6% the year before. And as we've mentioned before, it is a strategic objective for the company to reduce its concentration in the segment, revenue concentration, by increasing the proportion of revenues from payments. Operating expenses for the year were $29 million, a decrease of 12% from 2019, after you normalize for the IFRS conversion. 2.7 of that relates to lower postage and shipping costs. Staffing reductions were partially offset by a growth of approximately 10% in the year-over-year -year employment group base at the beginning of the year, which I alluded to earlier. So net savings in salaries and benefits were 1.4 million for the year, which is 8% lower than the year before. But I'll just point out as I did earlier that in the fourth quarter, that 8% is, is, uh, is a little as high. And when you look at the fourth quarter, it's an average. When you look at the fourth quarter, the reduction is 22%. So the net operating loss for the year was $4 million compared with a profit the year before of 6.2 million. The net loss before tax, 10.3. And the net loss after tax was 8.5. I will again point out that within that 10.3 was almost $3 million in, uh, in one-time 
costs. So just to normalize that loss would have been about three million less in, in ordinary times. Um, uh, this compares to a, a profit before tax of 4.6 million last year and net profit of 2.9. The one silver lining in this uh, is was an income tax recovery of $1.8 million, which includes a research tax credit of 120,000, which is a first for CXI. Um, in addition, we have about a million dollars in unrecognized tax benefits in EDC that we expect will be realizable in future periods. Just turning to the balance sheet briefly, although we incurred a large loss, we have been able to preserve strength in our balance sheet. We continue to remain well capitalized with $58 million in equity at year end, down, uh, down admittedly from 66 million prior year. Working capital was 47.7 million at year end with cash balances of 59 million, which is down only $3.6 million from a year ago. Total assets were 86 million versus 83, a small increase. Liquidity is strong as cash comprises 69% of our assets and cash in bank accounts is almost doubled from 13 million to 25 million at year end. We carry little debt, using only $3 million of our available line of credit at year end. Just to conclude, um, one year uh, in her year end speech, Queen Elizabeth referred to that year as an annus horribilis. Many of us could say that about 2020. For CXI, it's been very challenging. We've endured a 40% decline in our revenues, but we've, and we've resized our business, seeing many colleagues go in the process. We absorbed a substantial credit loss of $1.7 million. However, we've weathered that storm and we've stabilized the business through the restructuring. Management is taking a cautious view as to the economic recovery ahead, um, as well as that of the travel and tourism sector in our three-year plan, which Randolph will, will discuss. But our objective is to ensure the long-term sustainability of the organization, and we are confident we will return to profitability. At this time, I'll turn the call over to Randolph. Okay. <clears throat> good morning. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, good morning to everyone, and thank you for attending our call, especially those out west, because I know it's quite early there. Um, I want to, before I go into the specifics of our strategy, I just, I just want to uh, start with the fact that we all understand this business hit us, or as one of our directors calls us, a serious side swipe. To the business, um, and and we we initially said we must reduce costs, and we instead of radically going through and cutting everywhere that we saw directly affected by the pandemic, we we took a, a real good um, methodical approach to to the cost cutting. We did not want to overcut. Uh, Cost reduction is good. We, we have a goal of getting back to profitability as soon as possible. However, we needed to make sure that we don't overcut and that we don't affect the core structure and the controls of our business. Since our business deals in cash, and uh, cash and, and cash equivalent are our largest assets, we need to ensure that controls are in place on the business 
not only from just theft or, or, or pilferage, but also around money laundering and all the other fraud and, and possible risk areas that do exist because not only is our business uh, affected significantly, the entire world and all the businesses therein are also. And therefore, we did not overcut in our opinion, because the number one goal of our business is to preserve our capital and be able to continue to grow as we have done for the last 10 years. With that in mind, the board and management took an extra long time and focus on developing a new robust strategy for the next three years. That strategy has four pillars. Really, a fifth one over is at the top of it, which is in line with what I was explaining about not overcutting and ensuring we have proper structure and controls in the organization. So we have now a very clear focus. A quarter is almost past us in this new fiscal year, and we have our key performance indicators, and our executive team meets weekly to ensure where we are succeeding, to see areas that we may be a little behind schedule and focused on how we can continue to execute on our plan and take advantage of the opportunities that this serious storm has, has created in the marketplace. As you know, I always like to start off with Exchange Bank of Canada. That's the biggest investment CXI uh, has ever made um, in any uh, initiative it's done. We are very pleased with our investment, and now more than ever, the fact that we've recognized years ago that we needed to diversify our revenues. Since banknotes um, has always been our largest revenue maker, we recognize the need to diversify and get into payments. To really compete with the large banks and all the new uh, fintechs that are all offering new payment solutions, we felt the best thing to do was to create a bank. That way we can trade in the foreign exchange markets on the interbank desk. Uh, our bank is now in its fourth year. Yes, since it started, it has been bleeding and, and, and causing cost to the, the to parent company, CXI. However, Finally, our bank is really at a good point where it is growing. As you see, the payments business is showing growth continually. It, we, we expect that to continue even more so. The uh, bank has focused not only on payments, but of course, banknotes as well. So before I go into the payments business, I actually want to uh, talk a little bit about the banknotes. Banknotes has always been Exchange Bank's largest revenue uh, provider, and it will still be that way for the you know, foreseeable future of this year. Um, Banknotes in Canada has really been uh, uh, affected by the government lockdown. The fact that the borders continue to remain closed uh, has a, a significant impact on our business. Many shareholders I've talked to actually thought it was completely gone, dead. However, that is not the case. Uh, as you know, the U.S. dollar has, has, uh, has gotten weaker. The Canadian dollar has appreciated. And so we have seen uh, some good activity in the Canadian U.S. dollar still. People are buying in hopes of when the border opens and for their trips, we thought a few months ago in spring for spring break, but now it looks maybe more like summer but people have been still transacting. 
Additionally, I think most of you should know that we have a few select uh, banking relationships in other FATF countries that uh, do trade foreign currency. The same thing occurs where there's need for dollars uh, and exchanging, let's say, pesos into dollars. So the, the banknote business is not dead. And, and, and while it is down, uh, looking at the percentages, you may say, wow, I would have expected to be down more. Um, we do expect a, a return to the business. Some of our customers, both banks and non-bank uh, foreign exchange offices, have begun reopening uh, in spite of this triple lockdown that, that's going on now in, in hopes of, of the spring break that may occur if, if the governments allow that to happen. So we do see the opportunity for the banknote business to rebound uh, in 21 uh, for Exchange Bank of Canada. And we will stay focused on that. One real key catalyst, it's a strategic initiative that, as you saw, has some costs that we've already incurred uh, to, to get into the final stages, is, as you know, we've applied to the major central bank just south of us. And, uh, and we are in the final stages. Our relationship with, with that bank um, and the office we're dealing with is in New York has uh, been very positive. They've been very receptive, and, and it's been moving as, as planned. And uh, we are optimistic that, that it will stay that way and, and, and actually come to fruition. If you recall from way back when, we, uh, one of the, the reasons we created Exchange Bank was to establish central bank relationships with our first goal of starting uh, with the U.S., considering how many U.S. dollars Exchange Bank of Canada had been doing and still does do to this day. And so that relationship will, will definitely help lower operating costs, what we call sourcing costs, of the currencies we purchase and redistribute through uh, Canada. Um, and that will have a cost savings. It also opens opportunities. Some of our other clients um, internationally have asked if we can source mint dollars or, or bulk recycle dollars. So there's new revenue opportunities that come with the Federal Reserve relationship as well. And so we feel the banknote business has a, a good horizon ahead of us, especially when you consider the fact that several other foreign exchange players, one being the, one of the world's largest of foreign currency shops, actually has exited the Americas, which includes uh, Mexico and South and Central. And, um, and they, that has enabled both Exchange Bank and CXI to pick, pick up a lot of more customers. Sorry. Um, so, again, bank notes is looking very good for Exchange Bank of Canada, is, uh, assuming the world can reopen and travel can resume. Payments, as you know, and as Stephen said, the acquisition in Montreal was, was, uh, has been accretive. We've been pleased with the, the team. We've been pleased with the additional revenues. And, uh, and that office, which is based in Montreal, has expanded. Uh, we've... we've uh, you know, focused on growing the business in Montreal and in Quebec, and uh, we expect to continue to do that. Um, and, and the payments business really is, is starting to lead the bank in terms of revenue opportunities, uh, as we see a lot of opportunity there. And so really that's about all I wanted to cover on Exchange Bank of Canada. So I'll move over to CXI. As you know, CXI has uh, both a consumer direct division, a retail division, and a wholesale division for banknotes. Additionally, the wholesale division deals in international payments. 
So on the consumer direct, it was unfortunate to close stores that had been open many years and let people go that have worked for the company, some of even over 10, 12 years. Uh, however, our focus was on the key markets uh, that we felt were going to rebound quickly and that the landlords were, were um, cooperative with us when we showed them our three-year strategic plan and allowed for renewals or rent reductions to accommodate uh, our, our coming back uh, to profitability and, and staying in the mall. Those landlords that didn't participate or those markets that did not look as if they were going to be able to return to profitability within a year or so, we, we did make the d difficult decision to, to, to have to close and exit or accelerate the leases and, and leave the, the, those centers. Uh, ironically, we picked up, uh, uh, we added a store, and, and while several in, in, in our own team were, were questioning it, however, um, the us experienced people in the marketplace knew that the one competitor that closed their flagship store in Southern California was guaranteed to be a winner. As we all know, California's gross domestic product is bigger than Canada or bigger than the UK. In fact, ca California is listed as the, the fifth largest country in the world in terms of GDP. And, and so that store, within one month, has already gotten into profitability. And that's with this current pandemic in, in California. It's been like uh, Canada, which is in triple lockdown. Um, even despite that, the, the store does have some activities. Again, a lot of people are optimistic that uh, travel and tourism will return, and people have been buying currencies in, in expectations of, of traveling. Uh, unfortunately, the wholesale banknote business has also been hit very heavily. Um, a lot of our retail banking centers have closed, some of them permanently closed branches. Some of them have just stopped uh, uh, offering currency services that they're by appointment only in certain states. And so foreign currency exchange has been one product that has suffered. However, uh, as as before this triple lockdown, we saw just you know there was starting to be some rebound, and um, and store and locations were starting to reopen. We anticipate again with the vaccines coming um, and the UK reporting over 20% of their country being vaccinated, we're anticipating that that the uh, travel will resume, hopefully in short order. Um, moving over to payments. Uh, our bank, one of our strategic initiatives is what we've nicknamed OPOP, One Provider, One Platform. That goes to the integrations with core uh, operating systems of our banking relationships, our banks. Uh, as you may recall, we invested into the relationship with Fiserv's wire exchange platform. That, that investment has proven profitable, and we are continuing to uh, invest into integrating with other core operating systems. And that, the beauty of doing that, that not only takes the advantage of, of adding more payment clients, it also offers the opportunity to cross-sell and do check processing and foreign currency exchange. So the last thing that I haven't talked about, which is in our strategy, is international expansion. 
International expansion is for both uh, Exchange Bank and CXI. I hinted at it with the Federal Reserve in telling you that some of our banks in other FATF countries have already expressed uh, interest in possibly sourcing uh, mint dollars from, from EBC in, in the Fed case, or CXI because of, of a large competitor exiting America. Uh, we've received some uh, inquiries, and we've actually added a few clients already in some good, solid uh, Caribbean countries like Barbados. And so we will see increased business uh, in both businesses from international expansion, banknotes, and maybe in select uh, scenarios, uh, some payment business with its check processing or wire transfers. So to summarize what is our strategy, to make sure, since I kind of touched on each one without giving you the overview, there's four points there. The international expansion, the consumer direct, which is focusing our online store, has been doing very well. And, uh, and, and maximizing the relationship we have in our 35 retail stores. The relationship banking, which is, again, the, the acquisition in Montreal was the real catalyst to get us going much faster and better at that. And so that, you know, Canada's foreign exchange bank, that's our focus in having relationship banking with the corporations needing uh, the, the for, a specialized foreign exchange provider. And then lastly, as I said, the OPOP, where we are expanding our integrations with our core banks and other banking software systems, allowing for us to continue to expand our core business, which is being a wholesaler to financial institutions across North America. So with that being said, uh, I'm not going to put any optimism and say, oh, I wish it's going to start tomorrow. We all know the, the, the severity of this virus. We, we recognize how conservative and careful every government has been to the point of, of, of almost putting everyone in home arrest. And, and we're optimistic that, that will, will, uh, the vaccinations and, and uh, people's travel patterns will, will be able to resume because of, of being safe. So with that being said, I'd like to go ahead and, and turn it over to uh, any questions, and, and Stephen and I will do our best to answer them. At this time, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star, then the number one. Our first question comes from the line of Robin Cornwell with Catalyst Research. Hi, good morning. Yes, it's been a difficult year. Uh, last year, not this year, hopefully. Um, one quick question for uh, Stephen. Um, you were discussing your burn rate. Um, could you go over that again for me. I'm not sure I got uh, all the numbers. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so what I was saying was that the cash burn rate in Q4 was a uh, was million dollars. So averaging uh, 330000 a month. Um, and that was down from a peak of 800000 a month in, uh, in April and May. Uh, so but and what I was trying to say as well, though, is that even saying that a million in the quarter, um, that um, that amount was declining through the uh, through the quarter. So at the end of October, for example, um, the the expense burn rate, um, or expense rate, was would have been the equivalent of 24 million, not 28 million, where we ended up. So so all I was trying to point out is that while you know, it's down a lot from where it was earlier in the year. That's the main point. Um, it's significantly lower. 
Um, it, it also continued to decline through the quarter. Uh, okay. It was dropping. Right. Okay. Uh, thank you. And um, so looking forward then, um, we we don't know when the economies are really going to open, but uh, they, uh, I expect they will at some point with vaccinations, et cetera. But um, when you look at your business going forward and you look at your expenses, uh, you, you built a lot of uh, infrastructure with the Exchange Bank, et cetera. Um, how do you look at your um, leverage, I guess you would call it, going forward? I mean, it's difficult to picture right now, but I think um, the focus is going to be you've done tremendous restructuring uh, mm -hmm. with expenses and your business. Uh, what does it look like uh, when you go forward and uh, assuming revenues um, start to pick up? Can, does that make sense to you? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I think you're asking me, um, in a sense, what are what are we what are we projecting or forecasting? But you're asking me. I think have we are asking us have we resized the business sufficiently right. so that um, cash flow has a chance to be positive? Is that what, what you're asking? Yeah. Look, we're looking at your overall margin. So your margin's mm -hmm. been squeezed because of extraordinary expenses, uh, investments, called that. But um, your your margin. Um, given a restructuring or the new structure, is it? It's like a you, you've got a brand new company in a sense uh, yeah. going forward. Will your margins potentially expand? I know it's a difficult question, but it's it's just looking at your uh, all your work you've done in the last mm -hmm. uh, uh, little while. Yeah. So. I mean, we're, we are constrained in, in whether and giving forward guidance. I think what what I could say is, I mean, first of all, you're right. We don't know what the what the pace will be um, and, and things turning around, and particularly people being able to travel um, relatively without restriction. Um, so that and that's a, a key uh, a key driver. Um, that the four elements of the strategy that, that Randolph went through, we've we've really built ourselves, uh, rebuilt ourselves around that. So we, when Randolph talked about delaying some of those uh, those cuts and, and being methodical about it, we were doing we were we have we executed those those reductions in the context of that strategy and what we think it can do for us um, in, in over the next three years, really. It's a three-year uh, three strategy. The first year is, ironically, usually the first year of a three-year strategy is the most predictable. Um, in this case, it's probably the least predictable um, because, of, because of what you talked about, Robin. So, um, I mean, I, I think what, what we can say is that we've, we've tried to resize, we have resized this business in relation to what we think is is possible over the next three years, and that that won't be an even trajectory. Um, it'll, it will be bumpy as we go along, but we've tried to reduce okay. the cost so that we maintain liquidity, maintain a strong balance sheet, and, you know, give ourselves a, a good chance to execute this strategy and be successful. 
Yeah, and Robin, okay. if I may add, to, yep. if I may mm -hmm. add to that, uh, again, the overall arching theme of the strategy is to diversify revenues from mm -hmm. payments. The payments business as a standalone business versus the banknote business as a standalone business always commands a much higher efficiency rate or operating margin. Why? Is because we don't have to pay rent at the retail store. We don't have to uh, ship currency back and forth. Um, you know, we basically have foreign exchange relationship bankers that are trading through the internet or through the phone with their corporations and to, to wire their payment. It's a $10 wire fee as opposed to the FedEx or the insurance on a Brinks shipment and so forth. So uh, over the, the time, as we continue to execute on the strategy and receive more of our total revenues from payments, the operating uh, efficiency should definitely increase. Plus, everything Stephen said, we have uh, resized uh, our structure. We, we have uh, clear leadership of our payments business, clear leadership of our banknote business. And, and most importantly, we're focused as part of our strategy is, is that what I said, the fifth strategy is to ensure that we have the, uh, the infrastructure. And part of that infrastructure is improving our operating systems, like we our, our lead of international payments has just successfully integrated um, one of our payment files, so now we can have an STP, a straight-through process, as opposed to a rekey that was occurring uh, between the two businesses. And so we, by adding additional efficiencies, and, and we continue to focus on those efficiencies through automation, uh, as well as the overall product diversification and payments, which is definitely more profitable on a standalone transaction basis, that will lead to that. Okay, thank you. Uh, I know yeah, I have a yeah, question. The, the one, the one, sorry, Robin, I think the one other thing we could add is that obviously by doing this, we've set ourselves up to get back to uh, break even or, or, and to profitability from a lower revenue base. Right. 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 Okay. So uh, that's that's an interesting comment that uh, uh, if the revenue base did stay lower, you're you you've restructured to make better right. Uh, profits. Right. Very Correct. Okay. We, we describe it as resizing. So we're sizing. Yeah. We've resized the business for what it is. Okay. Thank you. Um, now. Uh, for Randolph, uh, Randolph, the I'm always curious the uh, wholesale transacting locations. Uh, they weren't disclosed uh, how many you actually have. I know you now disclose just those that uh, are uh, operating or contributed revenue, but um, I'm curious to know if the overall uh, transacting locations has been increasing, especially with um the major one of the majors uh, leaving the market in the US yes well we've added we've added probably 200 new relationships some some of which have not even started uh, even though contracts are signed um you know for example uh, there there was a, an airport operator that was uh, a quasi part of that company and they were receiving from the company uh, all the support, the inventory, and so forth, but it was actually managed by a, uh, a minority owner, um, and, and that's why that owner had these uh, prized airport uh, concessions. Uh, and so th those transacting locations are coming. 
um, and, it, and, and it's one that we're not paying rent or, or uh, uh, payroll at. It's, it's similar to the, the last uh, announcement we had with the, with the duty-free company, uh, where it's a, a partnership location. And, um, and so they're not transacting locations. I'm not sure. I know we used to always put out how many total transacting locations we have. Um, again, a, lot, a good chunk of those, both in Canada and the U.S., have closed some permanently, like one of our biggest banks that we service in the U.S. has, has downsized their branches by 200 uh, uh, what we would have called transacting locations. But on a net-net, we, sh we should be up when, when the world reopens. Again, uh, uh, since the airports, you know, there's serious uh, travel restrictions, um, they, 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 some of these uh, businesses just have chosen not to open yet because they're, they're, they, they would just be burning cash. Um, so, you know, March, April, May, June, whenever that is, um, we will be probably higher in transacting locations because all of the new customers that we've had that either have started or are about to start – uh, and, and the dust will have settled for all the financial institutions uh, that are closing their locations, and we'll, we'll be able to give a, a, an accurate uh, new number of the total transacting locations. But it's, it's, it's probably where it was, maybe a little higher. Uh, you know, as soon as, as you know, these, these banks, a lot of them have intentionally just sh shut down our services. Uh, but uh, they will be plan they're planning on re reopening it once travel opens and they know that it makes sense to to start doing currency exchange again. Okay, great. Thanks. That's all for me. I'll let someone else jump in. All right. Thanks, Robin. Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Our next question is from Peter Rebova with Artco. Hey, Peter. Hey guys. Um, hey, so I had a I had a bunch of questions. So I'll probably be all over, but um, I, I guess the first one, you know, you, you said your um, uh, your cash burn rate was down less than three hundred thousand October, but you've had a, but you're almost at the end of this quarter. So I'm just kind of curious whether you can give some sort of color on what the you know what it is at least the last few months. We'll be yeah. releasing our first quarter results probably what is it bill six weeks something like that um we cannot we we cannot give forward guidance with just something that our board and and, and us have agreed uh it, 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 and so um we you know it you see where we are in the world um again knowing that our payments mm. business continues to grow uh mm. and and i can say that i, I comfortably um, you know, we have to tell you to wait <laughs> for the exact numbers, but uh, but, uh, but we we are um, very focused, as we were just saying with Robin, keeping you know having our business resized and, and getting back to profitability. And, and the trend that Stephen was telling you, uh, it, you know, it, it was clearly a trend. Right, and so that which so and I appreciate the color. Uh, which would lead me to my next question, if it's an, on a better trend and, you know, you're, uh, it's kind of a two-parter. I, I think I asked this on the last call, but um, you, I think you have something like 59, 62 million in cash, including the restricted cash, but you're obviously mm -hmm. a smaller right-sized business, as, as you said, and whereas in the past you needed more cash to run your business, it doesn't sound like 
with a smaller business, you need le- more efficient business, you need less cash. So uh, I am a curious what you think is your excess cash on the balance sheet is as of la- at the at the end of the year in terms of how much you need to run the business and how much is extra. And B, I mean, your stock price has been fairly substantial, pretty low, below networking capital, below liquidation value. And so knowing that you're kind of at least on a more stable footing and you have a strategic plan in place, I guess, what are you guys thinking about capital allocation and, you know, both with relation to your stock and the opportunities for you to use that cash if you're not buying your stock? Stephen, I'll let I'll let you do that, or if you want me to. Sure. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start. <laughs> and uh, um, so, uh, in terms of excess cash, um, there are um, there are significant flows in this business. And Randolph was alluding to the uh, international uh, international business that we do currently, and those tend to be. 10, 15 million dollar flows at a time, uh, which have to be funded. So we buy it, it's, it's in inventory, and then we off, we offload it to wholesalers. So we can sometimes be looking at, um, at receivables of 20 to 25 million dollars. Um, and so while at year end, uh, we had, uh, 25 million dollars in, in cash and 3 million dollars on the operating line. Um, you can see from what I'm just saying how that might swing. So in terms of excess cash, um, surplus cash, perhaps $5 million out of that, out of that 25. Um, we, um, so Sorry, you're are, saying 20, tw- where are you getting the 25 number from? Had, I'm I saying $25 million in bank accounts at the, at the end of the year. We had 59, uh, roughly 59 in cash, I think overall. Uh, and 25 million of that was in bank accounts. So, in, if it's in inventory, um, that's there to be sold. Uh, so I I don't count that as excess cash. To me, excess cash is the cash I can use in running the business. Um, and so, and so I'm talking about the 25 million that's in bank accounts at the end of the year. Okay. And you think five is excess? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that at any time. I mean, at a at a peak time, and there are peak times um, in in the month or even in a, in a week, um, our our excess cash can drop to roughly five million dollars, and then it builds back up again as those as those cycle through. Those trends. Okay. Um, okay, and then what do you think about your capital allocation going forward? I mean, um, you know, well, five million. Yeah, where we have no no plan to buy back shares. Um, our plan is to invest, keep investing in the business. Um, it'll, it will, as it grows back, um, that we will, um, we will generate cash. Um, but there are short term liquidity, uh, liquidity demands that would dictate that we, we keep that cushion, uh, and we use it uh, in the business to help the business grow. But, but I guess I'm just you, – you have a three-year plan, but I, I assume part of that plan has to be some sort of capital allocation plan. And so I'm just well, curious. You, you mean allocating capital to the businesses? Is that what you're talking about? That, when you talk about capital allocation, that's what that means to me. <laughs> so well, what I'm saying yeah. is you, you, 
you have excess capital, which you just said, even at peak times is five million, which is about ten percent of your market cap, and you, and you will, you know, last in twenty nineteen, you generated five six million of free cash flow. I don't know. It'll be this year, but presumably going forward, as you mentioned, you've right-sized the business to return to profitability. You have to, you know, what are you thinking about that capital? Can you reinvest it in the business at the, at the same rate of return um, as you as you think it as above your cost of capital, or is it better to buy your stock, which? You know, like as, as as you know, right now is still trading below its you know liquidation. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm well aware um, of that. Um, and yeah, just to be clear, I, I was talking about excess cash, not necessarily excess capital. Um, uh, it, it, I mean, it is. I think it is fair to say that we have we we do have extra. Certainly, we have surplus capital. Um, in in looking at what we're trying to accomplish over the three years, uh, yes. We we would and we would be expect. Uh, I have to be careful <laughs> what I say, but yeah. we, we we set our plans based on exceeding our our meeting or exceeding our own internal hurdle rates or our own internal cost of capital. Yeah, we are we so, are Peter. I mean, if 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 you're alluding at do we have cash or capital to make good investments? One of which you and I both as shareholders would say, yes, this mm. stock, CXI, is a very good value, and it is. Uh, however, as we saw with the transaction Exchange Bank did in Montreal, that is an accretive transaction. And so, uh, you know, that cash and the, the purchase price of the business in Montreal was less than the excess cash Stephen was saying. Um, you know, that, that investment brings new revenues, new uh, customers, and as we've seen with the team in Montreal, a, a great new uh, team of people that have uh, complemented the existing team. And, uh, and we continue to look at, at uh, you know, uh, expanding our team so that we uh, can grow this payment business because it is net uh, more efficient than the cash business, and it's not as as scary as cash because cash can be robbed easily, um, and and cash has high costs, and cash is you know supposedly going to go away, while a lot of people like me still think cash is queen, or mm-hmm. if you're old school, you would say cash is king. Um, but but uh, the the fact is the business is well capitalized. We do contemplate while Stephen, you know, confirmed that the board at its last meeting uh, has chosen uh, not to buy our stock. Uh, one of the considerations was the fact that we have been taking government subsidy money so that we didn't have to overcut our people. Uh, and that pro- precludes us from buying back our stock. But uh, again, and that, if I could do another transaction like we did in Montreal uh, with that $5 million, absolutely. And has this pandemic opened opportunities for uh, us to consider? Absolutely. And are we carefully looking at all opportunities? Absolutely. Um, and we are also looking at how we can free up cash. So we are proud of one of our wholesale relationships with a, a bank that's based in Europe, and, and they've provided some of their cash on inventory to us, and that reduces the amount of cash we need in our vaults. And so uh, as, as the world resumes, we, we will be able to um, handle the increased cash business because of this uh, new uh, relationship that we've had uh, with one of our longstanding trading partners. And so 
Uh, in addition, because our balance sheet's very healthy, um, you know, we have several banks. As you know, our core customer is banks, so we know a lot of banks that know us very well. We have several mm-hmm. banks that would that is very comfortable lending on a five-year note to support, let's say, a five-year uh, strategic acquisition. Um, and so uh, I think the balance sheet looks good, and, and, and Stephen is, is, you know, being conservative and explaining what we've got, and, uh, and I'm comfortable with that. Okay. No, that, that, that was, that's, um, that's good color. And, uh, and then I think on the, you know, what do you think about – so wait, let me just back up. So I, you're, the Montreal acquisition was good. Please, you know, don't let me not – make that sound negative uh, i'm just curious how many of those do you think you know there are out there in canada or u.s so that you know how many opportunities do you think is that is that fairly regular or is that a one-off um just to give us a kind of give us a color of the landscape i would appreciate that well that's a good question <laughs> because there's tons of opportunities which ones fit um you know we 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 it, when we look at it we've only really done uh three in my career um which is the one in LA the exchange house we did the uh, one in Texas and most recently the one in Montreal and we've been very conservative all three of the transactions we've done i think have been above or or at the very lowest you know at in line with our expectations uh and and there are more uh but there's lots and lots of opportunities and and you know so like on the banknote side we we're there's there's a lot because so many owners or business you know like there's several companies that have several businesses in their portfolio one may be a, a banknote business those are those are quickly on the block for sale and however those are not the ones we would really look at unless it was you know a, a, a super accretive opportunity because it's not in line with our strategic plan again the board has has done a good job uh, keeping me focused and not chasing any shiny object uh, and so um we we want to look at businesses like the one in Montreal that are payments focused and what what would really excites us about a business like that that if it has some technology uh that could uh help our overall company that's exciting as well of course if it doesn't that's okay because again it comes down to the people and the customers and the uh, and the, uh, the ultimate thing it comes down to is the price mm-hmm. uh so i couldn't tell you if there's dozens and dozens um, you know, but there there are some. Uh, there was a guy even on 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 one of your famous TV shows that that was trying to sell part of his business. And and so if you if you just take a look and Google payment mm-hmm. foreign exchange payment providers in North America, I think it'll take about ten different pages of Google uh, to to list you know the first <laughs> you know fifty or so. So uh, there are, but we we. Um, it is it is part of our plan. Uh, while the, I gave you the four pillars, it's an overarching. Mm-hmm. It's what I guess business as usual. The CFO and the CEO are are always considering opportunities, and it's my job as CEO to uh, explore them deeper. There are a couple shops in Canada, one of which is a customer, um, and, mm-hmm. and there's a couple in the U.S. that that uh, that you know I would be looking at, but. Um, Again, we, we're not in a position to overpay, 
and, and we, we are looking for payment type of revenues to continue on our overall strategy of diversifying our revenues from banknotes. Doesn't mean we're getting out of banknotes. We are going to be expanding a lot in banknotes, uh, especially when the world rebounds. Um, however, if we're going to take an extra $5 million bucks, I would much rather buy a payment business than a banknote business. That's fair, and thank you so much for the caller. And uh, so I guess I'll, my last question is on the uh, similar vein. I think in the last call you've talked about, uh, you know, one of your competitors who has financial troubles, and they were mostly in airports based. Um, and you know, you you said you were taking an opportunistic view on the airport business in general. Um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it unless the leases were there. And so I'm just kind of curious with the extension of the pandemic and. Uh, you know, are, are are the opportunities there to take that business, or what is the airport? You know, your competitors' business now that they're in financial trouble look like. You know, four or five months down the line. Yeah, well, I, 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 I I'm not sure if you caught on to the part where I was talking about mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. operators uh, that mm-hmm. ran several. I mean, these are high-profile mm-hmm. uh, cities. Uh, airports um, is still there, and we've actually entered into a relationship with that person. We have not opened it. There's another opportunity there, and then again, we currently service an airport operator that is still in business, and and so that, that w- make no doubt that there's uh, effort into fulfilling. So, for example, uh, one that just happened just last week was someone, uh, one of our customers in Florida just took over uh, uh, the Fort Lauderdale airport. And I, I didn't even know that, but they, they, they expanded and took that over. So, you know, when the airports all resume international travel, they will be open and there's a good chance that CXI will be a wholesaler to it. We will not be doing airport leases uh, we we, we uh, are focused as a wholesale banknote provider as our core. Our consumer direct division um, it has always enjoyed large shopping centers, uh, with the exception of a couple of our banks where we sit in their lobby because they got such good real estate. Uh, but you know we could you could see us adding a couple more of that uh, the, the 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 competitor that left. They do have a few others like uh, the one in Southern California, one in Florida, and one in Texas that we, we could consider opening. But as far as the airports, we anticipate them having the service of currency exchange. We are optimistic that we'll be servicing the majority of those providers in one fashion or another. Okay. Sounds great. Hey, I really appreciate it. I'll, I took up a lot of time, so I'll no, well, All right, Peter, thank, thank you for the call. At this time, there are no additional questions. Okay. Well, no other questions. I appreciate everybody's time. Uh, I, I thank you for your support and understanding. Uh, it is it is difficult for me in 30 years of my career running a currency exchange. This is the first time I've posted a loss, uh, anything like this. Um, and so it's 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 uh, it's unfortunate, but I, I believe. I believe, honestly, the, the worst is behind us. We have resized the business. We are focused on our strategy and preserving capital and, and uh, providing reward to us shareholders. So thank you again. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Speakers, please hold the line.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.